welcome to Oaken Bros. This is Eric. And I'm Michael. And if you want to learn the secrets of the universe, the law of attraction, mysticism, <laughs> brohood, gambling, movies, pop culture, archangels, magic, business, health, mediumship, and travel, hit the smash, smash the subscribe button and hit that like <laughs> button. So today we have on Dave Hilfman. He's the interim executive director of the Global Business Travel Association, and he is the, a former senior VP at United Airlines. Thank you for coming on, Dave. Oh, my pleasure, Eric, Michael. I, anything that says bros on it, I, I love it because uh, you are my two newest brothers. Uh, and again, thanks for the invite to uh, be with you today. You, you're, an, you're an honorary uh, officially bro for the oak and bros it should be like the hell in oak and bros but yes i always in. i always get so excited when we get to do a titans of travel series because like mm -hmm. travel is just so ingrained in our hearts and we care so deeply about it and we've interviewed past directors and presidents of the gbta so as soon as i found the connection to get you on through our good friend kevin yomoto i'm like we we got to do it so thank ah. you for that no my pleasure and kevin is he is one of the all-stars in the industry, a truly charismatic, uh, you know, articulate. He probably a kind of a degenerate, which is, I think, part of this uh, whole circle, right? I, I'm sure of that. But, but he gets stuff. Yeah, absolutely. He gets stuff done. And yeah, longtime friend. Love the guy. And he's done a lot for the industry. So anyway, I, I'm thrilled because travel. Yeah, it's been in my uh, it's been in my blood for, you know, decades now. And I don't even know how, you know, I was born and raised in Iowa. Oh, I know. I always wanted to leave the state. That's what it was. That's why I wanted to do travel from the fabulous corn state uh, to everywhere. But, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I just I love the industry. And uh, I was, uh, you know, kind of happy to be pulled back in after a, a, a well, call it. I, I retired, was having a great time on the golf course. And then uh there was an opportunity to get back in. So anyway, I'm, I'm glad you guys love travel as much as I do. So let's let's jump right into the elephant in the room. COVID-19, GBTA. Yeah. You know, you're doing ready, safe travel. Uh, explain what ready, safe travel is. How are you guys navigating COVID-19? Um, what is 2021 looking like for the convention? Let's let's just all start there and, and see what's see what's being planned. No, thanks. Uh, truly extraordinary times, right? I, I know, I'm sure you've had many of your podcasts and uh, broadcasts about the you know, something we've never seen in our lifetimes. Thought I'd pretty much seen everything that was going to impact travel in a difficult way. And, and then the pandemic hits. But, you know, I must say, I think we've found uh, an industry that is extremely resilient, if not uh, industrious, resourceful, finding ways to recover from uh, really, you know, for the entire travel industry, in particular corporate, uh, such a devastating impact uh, and, and really kind of all sectors, be it the airlines, the hotels, travel management companies, the car rental guys, you know, and then that makes its way off into just about everything else related to travel. We're finding ways back. So Ready Safe Travel is a kind of a unity campaign that we have decided to uh, we need to put out into the marketplace from the uh, Global Business Travel Association because I think you guys all know we recognize it we have to do things safe we need to do things smart we don't want anybody getting sick or getting this crazy uh, disease but um, uh, but the necessity of travel uh, I think it's uh, I don't think anybody uh, you know underestimates the importance of it if you're doing business 
you got to be there in person. I mean, it's great that the wonderful technologies, I don't know, Zoom, StreamYard, uh, Teams, all this stuff, that's all great. And frankly, if we hadn't had it, you know, maybe business really would have come to a stop everywhere. But uh, embrace that technology. But there is nothing that replaces you know, being with a human face to face. I wish I was in your studio today and exactly. get to Hicksville. Um, but uh, we understand that at the moment, that's uh, at least at the, this very moment, it's not going to happen regularly, although some business travel has uh, has started back. Uh, but that Ready Safe Travel was a campaign to tell everybody, A, ready. Okay, so suppliers, be it airlines, hotels, all the, all the ecosystem and travel has been spending literally hundreds of millions in new cleaning protocols and technologies. And geez, I talked to my old airline buddies, the microbiome spring and the electric static spring of airplanes. And then you've got, you know, the HEPA filters. I'm speaking mostly again on the airline side, but I mean, that makes huge difference. In fact, where that a study from the Department of Defense came out and said like 99.9%, it's safe to be on an aircraft. I mean, you gotta have the mask and all that, but that's a great place. So that's one thing is trying to educate everybody in travel that no, 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 it's, there's no enormous investments. We know people are ready and I think just ready to get back out. So that's one of it. The safe is, you know what, working with governments and uh, working with all the suppliers out there, all these providers of travel, everybody wants to be safe. And therefore you take those technologies, you apply it, you have new testing, uh, GSA United went out and providing free of charge. Or you go on this the kind of a beta test between Newark, Liberty, and uh, and London Heathrow. You know you're going to be able to everybody that's going on that fight and they're running for four weeks uh, every day is going to take a rapid test. And if you test positive, you can't get on the airplane. Uh, if you're negative, you can go. Uh, are these protocols? Are these protocols, Dave? Are they here to stay, or do you think that? it's going to go back to the way it was in 2019 where I feel that the airlines and the hotels were getting away with murder. Even the car services were getting away with murder by not cleaning, by not sanitizing. Do you think 2021 is, you know, this is going to be permanent with the vital oxide and spraying of the airplanes and everything? Yeah, Michael, I, you know, a great, uh, great thought and question. I, I think we're going to be better going forward. Yes. I, I actually think, uh, it will be changed. We will not see what it was like in 2019. I hope we see the actual travel levels and the spend sure. at the 2019 levels. I think that is a number of years away. I am the eternal optimist, but I, you know, the best predictor, in my opinion, of the future is historical behavior and historical activity. And based on every traumatic event before, we've always found a way to get to the other side. It may take a few years. 9-11, some of the other pandemics, granted, not as bad as uh, as uh, COVID, but, you know, H1N1, uh, SARS, you know, some of this other stuff. Uh, and then the global, you know, financial recession of 08, 09. But to your point, no, I think the hotels, car rentals, airlines, they're going to use all these protocols and that'll just be table stakes of moving forward. you got to do that. And that's a good thing. So anyway, that final thing is ready, safe travel. We just... You know, the, the travel industry, you guys know this because I know you're very well read. One point four five trillion in economic activity worldwide. That's, you know, both direct and indirect spend. But that's kind of a stunning number when you think about it. But it's real and it's uh, enormous to the GDP. It might be one of the most uh, I think travel is considered one of the most important uh, elements in GDP. A lot of government officials and lawmakers, and frankly, even taxpayers don't realize that. Um, and the responsibility 
for all of us to get focused on the travel industry again, doing the right things, doing it safely, get, but encouraging people to get back out is critical. And I was just going to say to those efforts, one of the final things that's been hindering us is like the inconsistent quarantine and or border closures, right? Again, all for the best of intentions. Nobody wants anybody to get sick. We got to get this pandemic under control, but uh, it's not been helpful to the travel business or any of uh, us humans around the planet for not having some consistency. And if they were going on the science and using the best of the testing, we could get past these uh, crazy lengthy quarantines and, uh, and then the result and then close borders we could be a lot better uh, and that can be done and, and uh, we have to, we just got to get, uh, get more consistent around yeah. the globe. I don't think that you can underestimate how important testing actually is. And we have a testing program at our company. We own a global chauffeured car service and we're testing, uh, you know, our employees weekly. And then we have an on-demand testing service for our chauffeurs when requested, a client can, re can request that a chauffeur can be tested prior to pickup. And Ooh. That's been, Great. you know, it's, it's been, it's been amazing. It's been very, very well received, especially because any type of the travel that we're doing is the essential travel and it's people yeah. who have to go and they have to travel. And what's interesting with that is that they're actually creating the blueprint on how to successfully do it. And no, I think that's so, that's so great here. I didn't, you know, I know that uh, a number of uh, ground transportation companies have talked about advancements and on the cleaning side talking about, but I didn't realize you're going that far. I mean, that's very progressive. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of, you know, leading edge thinking, try not to get too cliche, but that's exactly what we need. And travelers, particularly corporate travelers, right? You guys know, mm -hmm. um, that's what they want to hear. And that will provide that comfort. Uh, yeah, I applaud you for that. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear it. Dave, you, you grew up in Iowa? I did. Born and raised in Washington, Iowa. It's 30 miles south of Iowa City, University of Iowa. You know, where uh, that's... Where all the well, magic I was going to say where men are men and sheep are nervous, but I, I probably can't say that. So anyway. <laughs> Have you always wanted to be in travel for as far back as you can remember? Did you always know that you wanted to do this? Interestingly enough, not really. Uh, I mean, I listen, I love growing up. I had very lucky with my family. My dad was in the clothing business. Uh uh, in small town, you know, if some somebody had to clothe the farmers, that was, that was my family, uh, and we loved it in Washington. Great people, uh, you know. I was in the normal style. I was a wrestler, wrestled up until uh, high school. Ninety eight, one hundred five, one twelve, and and one nineteen uh, pound pounds. Uh, I, uh, gee, I got, I was fourth in the state my sophomore year in Iowa. Not wow. not too shabby. Uh, you don't have the cauliflower years. No, no cauliflower. Although uh, I, I know a number of my friends, sadly, were rolling around and got a little of that action. But uh, in fact, uh, you know, when I was working at United, it could be another story later. But I did I actually live right down the road from Dan Gable, who, uh, of course, everybody, you know, he's our hero. And my son actually got to know his grandson quite well, go to school with. But uh, but anyway, I, I think when I uh, so you know, just the normal island, uh, you know, uh, growing up experience, a lot of farm activity. Uh, I was, like I said, most of my friends were, were farmers and, but just great time. But I did go to occasionally go to the airport in, uh, in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, CID for uh, those that are in the travel business. Uh, and uh, it was, I used to see those United and Ozark jets. You guys are too young. What do you remember Ozark? But, uh, Not Ozark. but I saw, you know, uh, 
uh, Northwest at the time. And I just always thought, I wonder where these people were going. Sadly, I'm not on one of those jets leaving town, but I would like to get on one of those at some point in time. And so there was a little fascination. Just I thought the airlines and, you know, seeing jets and smelling that jet fuel and kerosene. Uh, and, and that all seemed pretty glor- glamorous to me uh, being a, you know, Iowa kid. But um, but the one thing I knew, I always thought it was so I knew it would be nice to do that or experience uh, going off traveling somewhere. But I always was so impressed with my dad and his uh, selling skills and his retail activity. And he was just a good businessman in a small town. And uh, and uh, the store uh, called the Joe Fall Company, which was actually my mom's father. Um, you know, they had a very successful uh, clothing business in small town Iowa, southeastern uh, Iowa. It's, so anyway, I think maybe ultimately between watching my dad in business and travel, somehow that that led me down the path to uh, getting in the travel business. I mean, 38 years. Yes. United. That's that's amazing. My God. So what did you, what did you do there? Shocking, isn't it? I mean, because I know I to, to all your fabulous, uh, you know, listeners and uh, those that are watching. I mean, I know I look like 42, so it's really stunning. I was a child prodigy at four, getting into the business, skating around the labor laws. I mean, took the words out of my mouth. I, I normally say that, say, what'd you start at United when you were five years old? Like, you know. But you know, that, that, I, I will tell you, though, know, and I must say, I think I've aged about 10 years in the last two, uh, probably part of this pandemic and just, uh, you know, everything else going on in the world. But um, I actually started with Eastern Airlines in college um, in 1981. So I was very fortunate. My folks, aside of Iowa, they had a little place on the west coast of Florida. We used to drive from from Iowa down to Florida, lucky a few weeks in the winter, uh, usually over school break. uh, And I saw this incredible school, the University of South Florida in Tampa, a relatively young university, uh, I think founded in the 1956. So uh, but it was gorgeous. Had a brand new business, this business college. It looked like, wow, this this is a great spot. And so it didn't seem like I was going to get into Harvard, Stanford or Yale based on what well, was a fairly stellar academic career at Washington High School in Washington, Iowa. But I could care less about all that. I just thought I need to go where it's really a lot warmer than Iowa. And this right. is close by this uh, little vacation home. And Anyway, I ended up uh, having great conversations with uh, a bunch of professors there and, and a lot of faculty and a bunch of students. My mom and dad said, hey, if that's what you want to do, because everybody else in the Hilferman family went to the University of Iowa, great school in Iowa City. I elected uh, to uh, make a, a bold move to go south. And since I got in-state tuition because we had a house down there, uh, dad was like, yeah, whatever, son. Smart move. You might want to. I think that actually is enlightened thinking. And it was at the University of South Florida where I actually took my first job. They were looking for campus sales reps at Eastern Airlines because they wanted to get people signed up in what was then frequent flyer programs. Like what what better than to sign, you know, young college students who will ultimately be working professionals and flying. Let's get them locked in early as well as selling some groups and, uh, you know, some other stuff. So that's when I started. uh, was 1981 with Eastern. Wow. And and then I moved on to Continental. Uh, I do have some I have some good stories on that. And then and then ultimately between Continental and United. Well, I mean, it. So you I did hear it. You did sales, right? Yeah. So that this this gig at Eastern can't it was it was sales. I my background was in finance. That's my degree was in. Here's what happened. It was kind of bizarre heard. because I, I when I graduated, 
they actually uh, they actually asked me, would you like to be considered for a full time sales job in airlines in airline sales? And I was like, I don't I'm not sure I really even understand it. But I thought, you know what? Perfect opportunity. I'm going to go out. Apparently, I'm going to get to make some calls on travel agencies and some corporate travel managers. I'm going to be able to date a ton of flight attendants. And then, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll quit, get a real job, go into banking. That's going to be what happened. And then 30 X years later, you know, I didn't have a job. I had an incredible career and an amazing time. And uh, and then I end up talking to uh, my brothers, uh, <laughs> you know, from New York. So uh, it all worked out beautifully. You you were probably a master salesman. I mean, your, I mean, your he, personality he's, he's is doing this old. without even trying. Your personality is electric. Like I feel like this, like from San Diego to Long Island, like I feel your energy. Did you, what, did you know that sales was calling? Like when you were doing the airline stuff, because like you, you were probably nailing it like this, you, you know, like I, you don't have commission breath. Well, right? no. like, <laughs> never heard that. It's, no, but you have these like smarmy, sleazy sales guys, like, you know, <laughs> you know like buy my product, like just creepy. Sales. I did sales and it was, you know, like in order to get the sale, you talk about everything but the sale. Right. You talk about what's up, what's your, so what's your handicap in golf? Like you talk yes. about everything, but the sale, how did you, were you always like this or did, were there books that you read to be like this? Or did you have any mentors? Yeah. Did you have mentors? Uh, you guys are too kind. Uh, seriously. I'm, I, I appreciate it. No, I, I think I watched my dad who was, he was masterful. Um, and Frank, my mom was, who was a housewife, but, you know, probably worked harder than anybody, sure. uh, managing four kids. I have two older brothers and an older sister. Wow. Uh, but anyway, I, I think watching my parents at first, just cause dad, that was, he was selling suits and all this stuff. I mean, he was the owner of the bill, you know, the business, but, but he was masterful at it. Kind of an actor, uh, in some ways. And I don't, I don't know that he truly loved you know, working six in the morning till nine at night selling clothing, but he was damn good at it. And, and, and he was great. I watched him, watched him work the relationships yes. and that's what he did. And he developed that over decades, right. With people in the community. And we had folks coming in from driving a hundred miles to come to this clothing store in a small town because dad was brilliant in what he, in buying the stuff that the, uh, and the various uh, goods and, you know, whether it was suits or jeans or shirts, he was just really good at it. And he was great. Great. Really was genuinely great with people. You know, people often talk about, oh, I love people. Now, this guy, he genuinely cared about them. And, and they just happens to have some great gifts and talents. And I, I watched that for years. And so I always admired that. I never really thought I was going to be a salesperson. I always I did. I've always you know had fun. BSing with people and I've been blessed with great friends and you know so whatever I was going to get into I always figured it would probably be more involved with some kind of relationship development but it wasn't hard sales I wasn't you know probably wasn't a, a guy built to sell copiers not that that's not an admirable profession it's just that probably wouldn't have been my gig um, maybe call it more consultative selling and I could see that airline side of it hey here it, it had everything it was promotion. It was a little marketing. It was, there was clearly already a market. So I, I got uh, early on, I realized, wow, this is, people want to actually talk to an airline, especially if you're a corporate travel manager or travel agency, either A, you're going to save money 
um, because you're going to give me, you know, this airline's going to give me a discount. Or if you're selling, you're probably going to enjoy some enhanced performance uh, program, some commission, but it'll be earned. And so everybody was happy to see me generally, uh, right. except in the early days of Eastern or Continental when I had a few phone books thrown at me at a couple travel agencies when we maybe didn't operate as on time or reliable airline. But uh, but anyway, no. I, so that's that's the whole sales side. I didn't really think of myself so much as a salesperson, as somebody that was consultative, trying to find ways that, you know, both parties would end up doing well financially and probably have some fun doing it. And and then, uh, you know, just trying to be, uh, uh, you know, develop these long term relationships that we knew uh, in the end, everybody was going to benefit. And and we'd have some, like I said, have some fun along the way. So I want to shift gears here for a second and talk GBTA convention. What do you think the chances of that? Orlando happening Orlando 2021. What do you think Orlando 2021 is going to happen? Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, I can appreciate we'll have many skeptics uh, and understandably. So I, my confidence is very high about Orlando uh, in 2021 in July. Uh, you know, some of that's because I need to be. I mean, we're in the business of business travel. And some of that clearly is involved around meetings, events, conventions. Right. But based on what we're seeing thus far, um, between all the efforts of so many, you know, either on the supplier side, you know, other companies that are involved in this, uh, between what you know we're starting to see on the government side, let alone the healthcare side, and you know the what has been encouraging news from Pfizer or Moderna or you know a litany of other fine healthcare companies, I'd like to think that we'll be seeing these vaccines. Uh, hope and and hopefully you know fairly widespread distribution by that time. I mean we're you know eight months away, approximately right, um, and so. I, I do. I have high confidence. We're planning on it. Uh, it will probably end up being, I think, a combination of um, uh, a lot in person. Uh, let's just call it I'd like to think it at least be 60 to 70 percent in person, but probably 30 percent virtual. So we'll, we'll end up likely with a hybrid kind of event. I, I really do hope more people will be there in person since I, I think that's ultimately what we know and, and, and candidly where the best return on investment. But we get it and not you know, uh, oblivious to the fact that we'll probably need some, uh, you know, we'll need the capability to have people come in virtually. So no, no, I'm, I'm very uh, confident, comfortable about it. I'm planning to attend, uh, even though I won't be in this role at that time. And, and, uh, you know, obviously we'll watch it carefully. And if we have to adjust, I mean, that's the dates we're locked in on the dates and we'll just have to see how things uh, are playing out, but we're, we're full speed ahead for uh, GBTA annual convention in July of 21. So, you came in just as interim GBTA executive director. That's correct. In, in July, uh, a number of folks on the board uh, had indicated to me, hey, they reached out, said, we know you're uh, retired. Uh, you seem like you're enjoying yourself immensely. And and but, hey, we uh, we could use a little help uh, in an industry you love and uh, said, you know, we've, we've got uh, an opportunity for uh some work to be done at GBTA. Uh, and uh, would you consider it? And, and I said, yeah, on an interim basis, of course I would. Uh, I, I care deeply about the industry and the association. There's a lot of great people. And uh, if there's anything that I can do to help out, then, uh, then uh, I'm happy to jump in. That's amazing. So what is your, there's an echo. So what is your game plan and your roadmap for you as executive director? Well, when I uh, when I accepted the job, it was, you know, there was 
A, you're in the backdrop of a pandemic, the most uh, you know brutal impact about on any industry, the travel industry, and and the, you know the travel industry is what makes up uh, the heartbeat of this association. Now we have all our buyers, which you know you could be from Amazon or Tesla or a lot of the other great companies that are direct buyer members, correct? And they're doing great, and 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 uh, which is we're thrilled about. They may not be traveling because of all the, uh, you know, the the pandemic situation, but we know they will over time. But the people that are, you know, such a critical part of this are are the airlines and the hotels and the ground transportation companies and and uh, the travel management companies and technology, you know, uh, any of the GDSs. You can just go right down the line, and they're suffering badly. That's one. Two, we had a change in leadership. Uh, and that's always difficult to go through, whatever the circumstances. Uh, and three, I think you know, people were just looking for somebody to come in, calm the waters a bit, stabilize the organization, and uh, and just move forward. And uh, so I was, I really was, I was humbled by the, you know, there's a lot of really good, talented uh, folks out in the industry. So I was humbled that they asked me and and flattered. Um, some people thought I was insane, and it, you know, from time to time, I might actually think that that's absolutely an appropriate assessment and observation because it's just a lot so much going on and of any industry to jump back into again going through this difficult time but it's been a tremendous uh, uh, personal challenge and a professional challenge and it's been a very rewarding one because the staff is very good uh, the board which uh, has got great all these volunteer leaders they've got their day jobs and they put a lot of time in um, you know what? They're just trying to do the right things and do the best things. And so, uh, you know, I appreciate all their efforts. And ultimately, it's the members. So many people have been they're passionate about this business and GBTA. They want things to go well. And they uh, they were very encouraging and supportive. They certainly were not shy in telling me what they thought was working well and what was it. Uh, so I, I went on a listening tour for my, my first 30 to 45 days. I got to hear a lot. Uh, and some of it I can't repeat, of course, on a fabulous broadcast like this. But but again, the the uh, the people have been great. And and so my roadmap was very simply listen, listen, stabilize the organization. Let's try to find areas that we can all agree needs improvement. Um, try to amplify the things that are working well. Uh, and let's get headed down the highway for recovery and get people refocused on all those things that we can control versus things we can't. And uh, and I think we're going to have a I, I feel great because we've made enormous progress, understanding fully we have a lot left to do. And and my replacement who, you know, I'm just I was an interim person, but the new permanent executive director, whoever she or he will be. And we're in the search process. I, I know they're going to they're going to have a, a wonderful opportunity to uh, to take this to new heights and uh, get through this pandemic. And it'll be kind of it's like uh like the new Renaissance era. I, I see it in travel. Michael, you were talking about not going to look like it used to. It's going to look a lot better because we had to, we got to get better. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel that there's going to be mergers and consolidations in the travel industry? What, like on the other side of COVID, do you feel that airlines are going to merge? Car services are going to merge. Do you feel there's going to be much more mergers and uh, acquisitions like that? Uh, you know, it's possible. I, I think most on the airline side has already happened. Just, you know, when you saw Delta and Northwest and right, uh, Continental and United, uh, Southwest and AirTran, American U.S. Airways, right. All, 
at least the U.S. carriers and the global network side, you could see some of the low cost carriers, uh, you know, low fare carriers. Well, everybody's a low fare carrier these days. Doesn't matter what brand you've got. But but I mean, I guess a Frontier or a Spirit or, you know, a lot, some of those that you could see some consolidation. Uh, although there's on the global stage, it's quite possible. But, you know, a lot of it is you got to get through government regulators and, and they don't like mergers too much, although they allowed it when the times have been so tough and you just say, hey, we either merge or we're going to be gone. Right. Uh, we don't want to have failures and job losses. So I think mostly, at least in the U.S., uh, the airline side, we probably are there with the exception of a few on the on the on the fringe. Uh, but certainly hotels, I think we've already started to see some consolidation of brands just because, hey, from, from a financial perspective, it probably makes sense. Uh, on the car rental side, I don't, you probably got, you know, where you need to be. I think for sure on the ground transportation, you guys are the experts on this. But I, my suspicion is there already has been consolidation in the the uh, managed transportation, ground transportation and so many great companies. I, I will tell you, I'm really I was sad to see like a ground link. I know it's more of a technology, not necessarily a a car company, but it was a it was a nice technology. Um, and just, you know, seeing some of that go away, I, it was kind of sad to me. But, you know, you look at uh, across the globe, for sure, Michael, I think in all areas where you can see cost efficiencies and just for survival, uh, you'll see, you know, some of those mergers and integrated brands. Like I used to say in the airline business, though, because uh, people would complain, well, that's going to reduce competition. You're going from like nine airlines to five. I said, no, no, no. Here's what happened. You went from nine paint jobs to five paint jobs. Those planes didn't all go away. Yes, there was some rationalization of capacity in certain markets, but there's still brutal competitors. Like Bob Crandall said in American, you know, the airline business is like the most civilized form of warfare out there. That's basically what it is. Uh, and uh, now more than ever, competition is uh, is pretty intense. So anyway, that's kind of my my look and consolidation in the uh, in the travel industry. Yeah, you know, I feel like now this uh, November, December, January, and February are really going is really going to be the eye of the storm for travel suppliers right now. I think now is when times are are going to be really tough because there's no more forbearance, loans are coming due. Uh, you know, the government obviously isn't coming to the rescue anytime soon. Um, I hope that changes by the time this airs. Um, yeah. But now is really when there's going to be a separation from the, the mergers and acquisitions are going to happen more. And I and I feel like uh, closures are, are going to happen more where there, there's just going to not be much left, unfortunately. But I think that's going to pave way for in a year or two for new innovation, new companies to come out and for, for new things to happen because it has to, you know, going back to when we were talking about conventions and everything like that's where the magic happens. And I think it's, it's a holistic view of, yes, we can meet on StreamYard or zoom or, or whatever service that there is, but there's nothing replacing us running into you at the Starbucks at the convention center and connecting there. It's just, you can't, you cannot replace that. And I think that that cannot be, that can't be discounted. At all. Oh, Eric, you said it beautifully. Uh, cannot be articulated any clearer and, and frankly, uh, more, more direct about the human interaction and the ability to collaborate and that networking. I mean, hey, the, the surveys that we sent out to our members, like what do we do right? What, what can we improve upon? 
Um, and, you know, people feel great about our networking events. They like our education. They appreciate the advocacy. There's some other areas they want us to work on. Uh, and in fact, some enhanced training certification programs. Uh, I think they're looking for us to be more communicative uh, and do it maybe in a, a number of different ways. And that was all part of a kind of a review that we went through. But that networking, um, it is. I mean, GBTA is famous for it. And uh, I love that side of it because it wasn't just your clients and customers, which is critical. That's where you're supposed to go out. That's where you get your return on investment, right? That you're out seeing clients and doing things, but, but your peers, right? And you got to hear some great stories. You pick up on a few things and collaboration uh, in that regard. Um, but yeah, seeing you at the Starbucks or at the bar or at one of the lunch, it, it's just nothing that replaces that. Uh, I, I so remember, and you guys are too young for this, but, you know, geez, when the fax machine came out, it was, oh, FedEx is going to be dead. No more documents will ever be sent. It'll all be fat. Well, that didn't happen. Again, nice, you know, technology enhancement, but it, it ended up probably driving more business to FedEx in the end. Um, and when people talk about, well, yes, again, the Zoom and all these things, great to have, and, and but nothing replaces getting out for the lunch or the dinner or actually showing up at the trade show booth, saying hi, or all those meetings that happen uh, in between the other sessions, like at these conventions, be it our annual big one in the U.S., or we do events in Toronto, Mexico City, usually uh, somewhere in Europe. Uh, I think we're looking at Biesbaden coming up uh, in 21. So it is it's just the essential driver. That's what makes travel I mean, otherwise you'd just be looking, right? You'd look at, at things um, online and go, wow, the Grand Canyon's really nice. Uh, looking down at the, you know, Botswana, I love that, or Victoria Falls here, or I'm looking at Iguazu down there in Latin America. You, you can see all this online, but you know it's not the same. And uh, that, and, and Canada, I think that human spirit is going to be uh, is going to what lifts us up as well as the human mind and the great scientific advances and just common sense policies by government will get us back out on the road and get us in the air. Uh, and we'll get back to these events, which are so critical. And, and then all the rest of the travel that goes on. So I, I am, I'm biased. I'm a little selfish because we're, you know, I'm in the travel business. I know you guys are as well, but this has to happen and we got to get it faster. Uh, sooner than later, right? We just have to. I agree with you 100%. I think there's going to be a travel renaissance um, yeah. in in 2021 and beyond. I think that people, un personally, I know what it's like now to be stuck in my house with my wife and my kids, and I'm not complaining. I love my wife yeah. and I love my kids, but I cannot wait for when all this is over and we're inoculated because yes, we are, this is not a political statement, but we are taking the inoculation because I want to go to Vegas with my wife and kids. <laughs> OK, I want to go back down to Disney World with my wife and kids. I want to go to Washington, D.C. I want to go to London. I want to I, like I'm done. Like it was it was a year off. It was wonderful. We communicate. <laughs> we met. Listen, we met a lot of people on Zoom. Zoom was a wonderful product, but I think Zoom is yes. the fact Zoom is going to be the fax machine uh, in for, for the next decade that it will still be there. But no one's yeah. gonna, no one's going to use it. I think people are going to get back on the road. And be road warriors again. I mean, Eric and I were on an airplane every three weeks throughout all of 18 and 19. We were literally on an airplane every three weeks. And I'm I'm a I'm a horrible flyer. I hate flying. Uh scared of it, you know, the whole nine yards. But the idea that I was home now for the year and I actually missed it says a lot that I would forego my fear of flying to get on a plane with my mom and brother and go to Atlanta and go meet 10 new accounts or take 
10 people out to dinner in Los Angeles or throw a big party for people in Vegas. Like there is something to that. And I think people, we were suppressed for the year. It was, it was, it was the great reset is they're calling it. But I think once, once the green light goes, I think the entire world is going to be like the Daytona 500 and it's going to be fast and furious. And the people who will still be using zoom are going to be those people using the fax machine that they're not, <laughs> they're not going to give that like the doctors. Like if you want to get something from a doctor, you have to, yes. fax, you have to fax it into a doctor. It's like, what is this? Not, was this 1983? Right? Like, like why can't the doctor just email me my results? No, he's going to fax you the results. It's like, all right, so fax me the results and I'm just never going to get them because I don't own a fax machine. <laughs> But, I never thought about that, Michael. It's the truth. I think Zoom is going to be the fax machine for the 2020s that they're saying, oh my God, Zoom's the future, Zoom's the future. No, no. Once everyone's inoculated, I think that it's back to business as usual. We have even to. Bigger, we, even we ha- bigger. We, ha- we have to. We have to. So I know you don't have a crystal ball, Dave, but what uh, What do you Oh, I think, think he's got a crystal ball. I oh, think he's, I definitely got one. Dave, Dave practices magic and everything when everyone goes to sleep. <laughs> what do you think? What do you and the GBTA forecast? Well, hey, before I get to this, Eric, I mean, I got Michael. That was great. I, I happen to agree with you. And I'm not again, I, I understand I'm prejudiced about travel and I love the yeah. industry. I do believe people are absolutely um, going to be out of their mind when they get a chance safely. So uh, to get out and travel. Right. And, and so I'm with you. The whole renaissance period for travel is forthcoming. I'm not saying it's tomorrow, maybe even early 21, but it's coming. And similarly to after the tragedies of 9-11 and that impact, and it took, you know, three, four years to get all the way back, but then it exceeded it by X percent. So I'm with you all the way. Hey, and and Eric, before I get to that crystal ball, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't even think I mentioned this, but I mean, in addition to being professionally uh, challenged through this pandemic year for me or having a whole new adventure, from a personal perspective, it's been quite an extraordinary adventure for my family. So um, I uh, got I retired from United at the end of 2018. A perfect timing, obviously, in light of what ultimately happened. I mean, I just had this incredible career, right? I was so blessed and lucky. Maybe divine intervention, just blind luck that I got out at the very end of 2018. And, uh, and just having a big time. I got married December 2018. My wife, Suzanne, is from Australia, born and raised. Um, long time. It's kind of a long story. I won't bore you with it here. But but we got married in Melbourne uh, in that December of 2018. She came back. She's a chiropractor and uh, here in San Diego. And wow, guess what? Honeymoon baby. We have a baby in August of last year. So I have a 17-year-old, my son, Marshall. And I have this newborn uh, and I'm, you know, I'm the luckiest guy on the planet. And uh, I I am. Uh, I clearly overmarried and all that stuff. But so Suzanne, so our baby boy, Jordan, uh, arrives August 31st. And so anyway, we're life is beautiful. You know, things are going on. I'm getting to change, you know, poopy diapers and I'm playing golf, doing a little consulting, just a little and some board work, but not my. 24-7, 200 days a year on the road like I was with Continental and United. So Suzanne on March 1st says, honey, I'm going to, Jordan and I, we're going to go back, uh, need to visit my mom and dad. And she's got a couple of brothers that live down in Melbourne. And so anyway, um, they've been there. They've been stuck in Melbourne for eight months because initially it was the, initially it was, you know, hey, we're not really sure this 
pandemic and this COVID-19, um, you know, I'm not sure we want to get you on a plane again for 15 hours. Remember those first couple months? Not really sure how this and, you know, the baby probably be fine, but we just didn't do it. And then the lockdowns came and, and Australia and New Zealand, they've done brilliant work, yes, really yeah. almost crushing this. But they did it through some pretty intense maneuvers. So, yes, Suzanne and Jordan have been down there ever since because you can't we used to have nonstop service Melbourne to L.A. Uh, but, you know, United is not flying. Qantas isn't flying. Then they wish you couldn't get from Melbourne to Sydney to connect our flight to, to San Francisco. So it's been profound. Uh, again, I, I'm a most prolific user of uh, FaceTime and history. Um, we'll, we, we will get them back to San Diego. So uh, it just but I wanted to talk about how, you know, just how this pandemic has hit and when what what travel means. Right. And to be able to get people back all these stories, whether it's business or personal right? All this getting inoculated, getting back out, uh, it's going to happen. So anyway, that was my, I thought you might be amazed about that story. It's extraordinary circumstances. I mean, yeah. Would you ever consider chartering a plane for them? I mean, that would probably be stupid amounts of money, but if you had to get them back, you know, we know a ton of jet charter companies that could, I mean, I'm sure Dave does too, Mike. I'm sure I, I know, but I love that. I have uh, we've chatted through it. Some of it's still to, to get to the, some of the government regulations. However, if I need that and I'm looking for a good discount, I might need a loan. I'm, I'm coming to you guys. Uh, sure. I actually believe we'll get them back before Christmas. Uh, but now that some of the rules and regulations have, uh, have been diminishing. So I, I feel really good about that. But hey, so thank you for indulging me. But I thought you guys and, and ultimately uh, your great uh, audience might be fascinated. Talk about a bizarre circumstance. Thankfully, again, some of this new technology, at least, you know, I'm seeing a lot. And uh, he's, you know, Jordan still knows his daddy. So that's a good thing. Uh, and, uh, and all good. Crystal ball. So my crystal ball is simply this, that um, I do believe the great medical minds uh, and governments around the world coming together. We will get the appropriate vaccines, which we've already heard a little bit about now. And the therapeutics, that's all going to come on and we are going to get our hands around this. It, it will take a while to get fully distributed. But when they talk about, hey, you could have almost a billion doses ready in a couple of months. I, I mean, hey, it's also an economic opportunity for some of these companies not lost on anybody. But, but for the good of the planet, we need it. Um, I believe that between all of that on the medical side, between the testing enhancements and the, the availability of testing and the fact the cost is coming down, we will start to get people more comfortable because they're going to have the readily accessible testing. Governments will start to standardize some of these rules and we won't have the inconsistent quarantining. In fact, we might be able to eliminate a bunch of the quarantine restrictions and therefore those borders, uh, whether it's in states here, you know, what seems like uh, borders or actually internationally, I think it's going to be a, a significant resurgence uh, of travel. And I must say, I think government also needs to, for at least the corporate side, we need to see some legislation about liability because companies can follow every 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 uh, proper protocol, all direction by the CDC, the World Health Organization, do everything right. And then, you know, people go out and would, uh, you know, still low risk, but would happen to get COVID. They can't then just go back and sue their companies, right? Companies, there needs to be some liability waivers involved. So we've been pushing for that on Capitol Hill and, and talking to anybody that will listen to us. Um, similarly to uh, some other legislation and legislative um, uh, uh, relief for liability in other times of crisis like this. So 
I think between all the efforts on medicine, on the suppliers and the great work they've done to improve travel, between some sensible government, uh, you know, work on on liability and uh, and obviously some of the, the standardization of of, uh, again, common sense, uh, you know, restrictions around travel or ultimately the relaxation of restrictions, then we're going to do great. And, and that's both business travel which of course from GBTA's perspective is, is critical to the health of the economy. And, and frankly, just the better, I think just the good of the human spirit around here and, and, the, and the planet in general, but also on the leisure side. So uh, I see good days ahead, guys. I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss uh, or, uh, you know, downplay the ser- severity of COVID. It's been a, it's real, real kick in the butt, but uh, you know, we're going to get on the other side. And I know you guys are, are believing that as well. And, and, and smartly so, because, uh, that's where we got to get to in 2021. Dave, Dave, when all this is over, we would love, love, love to take you golfing or play golf with you somewhere, either oh. San Diego or New York. Eric and I are obsessed with the sport. We love it. Eric is much worse than I am. Like, he's, <laughs> really, he's really bad. So, you know, like I'm really good at the game. I heard I you're really brilliant. Good. I saw yeah. you on Golf Central. I'm I wrote the sure book. I- I right. wrote the book on how to play a golf. lifetime of golf with Michael oh, Oaken. Yeah, lifetime of golf. I've only been playing a lifetime of shitty, shitty, shitty golf <laughs> with Michael Oaken. <laughs> you know, I'd love to do another show with you on golf. You, you know, I'm fanatical as well. Um, you know, play to about a five. I did win $140 oh on God. Sunday here at my, my club uh, at San Diego Country Club. I've got a group of golfing degenerates that uh, love. And and if you'll allow me to brag, and I, of course, I know you'll allow me, I did get blessed to play in the AT&T National Pro-Am like five times, all wow. due to Continental Airlines, thank you, because it's had we not been a big customer of AT&T, I, I know I would have never had that invite, but talk about an extraordinary time. You know, Dave, um, uh, one time I, I drove the ball 450 yards and I got three hole-in-ones in one game, and that, that, was, on, that, was, on, that was on Golden Tee. On Golden <laughs> Tee, the, on the video game, one one was on one was on Mario Golf, Super Mario Brothers Golf. The, the, the best time was that one time when you got that hole in one, but you hit the windmill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it kind of yeah. Kinda, yeah. You know, that we don't count. About that. that that actually is that really in the regulations that doesn't count. In fact, you yeah. you you're allowed to take zero on that. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, you should. I'm, I'm with you guys. You should have five. Do you play, by the way, where do you play? anywhere you can get on free or what, what, what is it? Where we, we, we belong to this place called the mutton town club. And, um, it was, it's, it's owned by concert golf. I don't know if you're familiar with concert golf there. Oh, like we email, we, I'm sorry, we interviewed the CEO of concert golf. So you great, would probably, you'd probably, be into that. Great guy to know. That. So they literally own country clubs and it's kind of like the casinos, right? If you play at MGM grand, you could still eat at Bellagio and charge it to your room. Like it's all connected. Concert golf is really low price country club. You know, like we're not foo-foo at all. Eric and I, like we try not to be, and you can play in mutton town. And if you go down to Orlando, you could play in their club in Orlando and get full rights, full privileges. So it's like a a national country club that we belong to. And mutton town is in their portfolio. And Peter Nanulo, who's the CEO fantastic guy we play at mutton town and we it's it's therapy we haven't played much a lot because of um 
uh, you know, COVID and everything. We try to keep yeah. distance, but really and truly love the sport, love the game. And we are absolutely horrible. And, but we'd love to play with you. <laughs> oh, I, I would be thrilled guys. And you're, you are invited to get San Diego. Obviously it's a nice that. tracks. The weather's generally doesn't suck. It's 72 sunny and, you know, low humidity. So, but I would love to hit it with you around with you guys. Yeah. It's, isn't it great. one of the great games of all time? What love. do you think of DJ? Right. I mean, that was pretty impressive. I mean, uh, you know, what, what he finished minus 15. Or minus, uh, 20. minus 20 and one by five. <laughs> he's a god. He's a god. You know, Eric and I played oh, black. We played Beth Page Black. I don't, you oh, familiar? did you? That, oh, yeah. It, that that killed me. So Eric is still sore. And we played, I, that, we, that we played place, about three months ago. That <laughs> beat the crap out of me. That oh. was so hard. Brutal, right? Doesn't have the sign up. This is meant really for only very skilled golfers. Our cousin, don't even think about it, right? Our if cousin you're, Matthew, you're, our cousin Matthew, who who owns this uh, locksmith company, owns Top Lock in New York. He's obsessed with golf, and like the three of us, we all live close to each other, so we managed to try and play with him as much as we could. We played black, and it what it was it, it was dem demeaned me. <laughs> just in the purest sense of the word, it broke me. It just it yeah. just simply simply broke me anyway it's like 7200 it's gotta be like 7500 yards from the it's black at the black words right massive it, it's oh, just oh, it is oh. so big but the fact that we played a championship course on long island nonetheless right like we're about 15 yeah. minutes from beth page black we went to the open and it was it was just you feel like a champion walking these hills and hitting to these different levels. Like there was one. I don't know. Hole, I, I, don't know about a, I don't know about a champion, Michael, but well, you, well, you felt like it. You weren't playing like it, but you felt like it. But really and truly, if you ever could make your way to New York, we'll would love to take you to Black or even our club. And if we're ever in San Diego, my God, Dave, love to play with you, man. It's oh incredible. well, thank you guys. No, I'd be a thrill. I know we'd have a great time and uh, oh, yeah. laughing, laughing all the way. No, I listen. I'm just I'm so grateful you guys invited me to uh, to join in. I heard a lot about the the show, and you've got a lot of fans around the world. So uh, my uh, sincere congratulations on that. And yeah, I hope we can. I mean, it'd be great to get back together uh, at some point, either on the golf course or uh, on the air. Uh, Absolutely. That's, that's we got to do it right you have, you have an open you have an open platform with oaken bros anything that you want to like you know if if big things are happening please reach out to eric and i if we find out some stuff that we want you back on 100 we would love to have you back on dave you're a great um, guy we're grateful for having you on where, where can, can people find you where can people contact you you know what's how can people get in touch with you yeah, no, I mean, uh, hey, I know you guys got my email, but people can get to me at gbta.org. I've got my, uh, if people have any thoughts, opinions, welcome any insights from folks that, uh, that um, you know, think they can, they, they can find a way to uh, push along corporate travel. We are always, we're all ears and we're listening. And uh, so anyway, yeah, gbta.org, you can find me, my email's in there and uh, look again, it just, just great opportunity to, to be a part of this today. And, and so nice to meet you guys. I really Same. appreciate it. Likewise. Likewise, Dave, thank Everybody, you so much. Hang on one please, second. Yeah. Everyone, please like subscribe, comment and share. We appreciate everybody's support. Uh, Dave, hang out for one second. I'm going to Dave. Thanks for coming on. Bye, everyone. And, uh, thanks everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks, thanks for tuning in. Pleasure. Pleasure.